Quiet, please. Quiet, please. The Mutual Broadcasting System presents Quiet, Please, which is written and directed by Willis Cooper and with speakers Ernest Chappell. Quiet, Please, for tonight is called The Healing Tahiti. Her name used to be the Bessie, but when His Majesty's Navy commissioned her, they changed her name, of course. I remember her very, very well. I remember her as we weighed anchor off St. Helens that wintry afternoon two days before Christmas and stood down the channel. I remember her in the howling gales north of the Horn when the wind and the icy rain fair threatened to rip the sails off her. I remember her in the flat calms of the southern ocean, too, with the sun starting a tar from her deck scenes and 45 men, officers and able seamen and cooks and gardener and all panting for breath between the two tropics. And I remember her burning, a broken and looted wreck on the beach far below its 120 west longitude and latitude 25 south. And I hopped back to the dismal December day when the voyage began. If I could have known what lay ahead, I'd have jumped overboard, I would, in that tempestuous sea, and I'd have gone back somehow to a lighterman's life in the river Thames. Never seen Tahiti or Tupuaya. Or maybe I wouldn't have... Maybe I'd have stopped aboard anyway, as I did. I'd be here just as I am now, the last man. Arahaiti told me about it, of course. Else how would I know why we came to Tahiti and father? Arahaiti met his wife to me all these long years on this lonely place. It was the women, of course. They'd taken more than a fancy to the English sailors who came to the lovely island with Captain Cook. And they prayed for the white men to come back. They shouldn't have done it. But they prayed to Vahini Tahiti. Vahini Tahiti, the mother goddess, the secret protectress of the women of Tahiti. A goddess who went away from Tahiti and... Well, I'll tell you about that. Vahini Tahiti, woman of Tahiti, that's her name. She has no other name. Then, since she went away, they don't remember her anymore. They've forgotten Vahimi Tahiti. And they've forgotten the lovely women who came with us. Maimichi, Tarua, and Parahaiti that was my wife. Then, of course, they've forgotten us. Parahaiti told me how the women met and prayed and sang at the hidden marae under the hillside, the temple of volcanic rock the men didn't know about. She told me how they sang in the leafy shadows there and called upon Vahini Tahiti to vouchsafe an answer to their prayers. She told me how Vahini Tahiti did appear and how she did speak to her mortal sisters. Comfort yourselves, sisters, for the men come in the canoe with the white wings. Theirs is a journey of hardship and suffering, and death is with them. You have prayed me to bring them, I have promised. They will come, even at this moment. The great canoe spreads its wings and defies the storm as its master looks across the world of the waters to Tahiti. And sure it was. For I reckoned back the day Vahini Tahiti spoke to the women. 
And it was the 23rd of December, 1787, two days before Christmas. And moreover, she spoke of the other great war canoes that lay at anchor and how they made solemn sounds with their great guns. And I remembered how the other ships did salute us with cannons as the little 90-foot transport stood down the brawling channel away from them. Tara Haiti told me how the goddess spoke of the tyranny of the captain to his men. And I remembered, too, what I'd heard with my own two ears, the captain bellowing to Samuel. I'll be here, Mr. Samuel. The issue with the provisions. I have no complaints from you about the quality of the provisions I've laid in. And I'll have no complaints, furthermore, from any man of the crew here. For if I do, I'll have the man trussed up in sponsor here. Hear, Mr. Samuel? And we'll see the color of his blood under the cap. And that applies to you, too, sir. So give me none of your fool's arguments. Salt horse and weevily biscuits for sailormen's lot, and they'll like it. And so will you, Mr. Samuel, you're here, Mr. I remember that all too well. All too well. Then for our Christmas dinner, salt horse and weevily biscuit, and what the worms had left of the cheese. Nor did the officers fare much better, except for the captain who ate alone. I had it from Hall the cook that he ate plum pudding and drank brandy with his joint of fair fresh roast beef. Fresh beef, do you hear? I had it as many a year ago, and there's never been a roast of beef for me in all that time, for which my mouth watering now, I say, alack. And in Tahiti, the sun shone brightly all the day, and many a man wondered what secret the women had amongst them and why they burst into song and laughter a hundred times a day. This, of course, we could not know, since only the captain and the master and the master's mate had ever seen the Isle of Tahiti before. Now, it was a wondrous long voyage we had in this doughty little cockle shell, not much bigger than a man of war's longboat. And I'm speaking of it one night to McCoy, discussed them from Kirk and Tillock as we stood anchor watch in false bay off the Cape of Good Hope. I said, McCoy, I've got a good mind to jump ship. Look, I did myself, Smith. Again, there was a chance I'd get in a shore where it being gobbled up by the sharks. And I believe if we passed the word, there'd be more than enough to try to beat. Yeah, so I would boggle at nothing at all in the way of food, man. But I've had nothing to eat since the morning, except in a bite of biscuit and a sup of greenish water. He's starving I started on every man jack aboard. The officers, even. The coast just up here for the bit. Who? What's that for? Don't talk so loud. Oh, he's asleep. Well, the master's on the quarter deck, so speak easy. Well, he is the one that wanted to speak. And so I will. Right, man. Have you heard the talk? Uh, I've heard nothing but talk as long as I've been aboard this hooker. Yeah? Aye. What kind of talk? Oh, did you ever be seen going a voyage and we grumbling? We had come back three times a day. Yeah, this is past the grumbling stage. So I hear. Oh, do you know? Have you heard aught? Aye. Uh-huh. I have. And? And then I like it, sir. Have you like being starved in and beaten? Being at the mercy of a brute of a man out? The captain, you mean? Hark is, I've sat time and the morning a few captains of his majesty's navy. I thought I'd met some rare hard men. But this one, oh, this one's a devil straight from hell. And one day... Well, one day... One day may have someone will send him back to the place when he came. Hark. What is here? I thought... I thought I had someone 
on deck. Mr. Fire back in the quarter. Uh, no, Smith, it wasn't Fire. Oh, well, then who's Smith? I could have sworn it was a woman laughing. Out there in the black darkness beyond. the island of Tahiti at that very moment, for it was five months almost to the day after we'd set sail from the Isle of Wight. The women of Tahiti gathered at the hidden marae, listened as Vahini Tahiti laughed and set the echoes laughing in the darkness of the forest place. Comfort yourselves, my pretty ones, my anxious ones. You have asked, and Vahini Tahiti grants your prayers. They come, but it's a far journey and a long one. Bahini Taiti will tell you when to deck yourselves with flowers and go down to the beach to meet them. <laughs> Great Bahini, why do you laugh? Great Bahini, have we offended? Who speaks? It is I, Great Bahini. I, Parahaiti. No, you have not offended, Parahaiti. Then why do you laugh, Bahini Taiti? Oh, it is my humor to laugh, my daughter at the shortcomings of those who serve me, even as all who hold power have some secret scorn for their servants. Have we transgressed, then, of our union in asking for this favor? No, not transgressed, Parahaiti, not transgressed. What, then, Vahini? You are bold, Parahaiti. For those who are overbold, I have certain special favors. Take care, Parahaiti. I serve the great Vahini Taiti. You have promised. You will not withhold. I will not withhold. No, I will not withhold. But you know. I laughed, my daughter, as I looked across the ocean to see the men who come to you. I laughed as I heard them plotting against their leader and foretelling his death. You promised us, great Vahini. And I will fulfill my promise. But remember, there is no gift without payment. We will pay, great Vahini. Yes, you will pay. You will pay with exile and weeping. And you and the men who come to you in the great war canoe with white wings will die in a far unknown place. With your own hands shall you slay them. Captain had driven us hard, had flogged us, starved us, and... 
held us to our course through storm and calm under the whiplash of his voice for nine long months. But I remember another night after we put out from Adventure Bay on the last leg of our voyage to Tahiti. Amakoy and I stood again at the wheel with only the tiny lights in the binnacle flickering before us. Whispered together again. He's no man's Mr. A beast. He deserves to die like a beast. I'll take care, Mike. Hey, I'll take care. But I tell you, Smith, when we get to Tahiti, when you do, oh, I'm going to jump ship, man. He'll hang you. If they catch with me. And perhaps he won't catch me. Perhaps you'll be lying half in his bunk. We have clasp knife in his throat. Take care. I'll say no more of bigot. But there's more than one aboard the ship that had furnished the clasp knife. And not a seed I'd use it to. The mate. Oh. What's the course, man? East by north, sir. Hmm. Keep us over another half hour. Right, sir. By night? Hi, who's that, sir? Uh, sir? Well, McCoy? This is Tahiti now, sir. Uh, you've been there? Yes. It's a paradise, McCoy. Are the women beautiful, sir? Yes. Oh, the most beautiful in the whole world, Smith. And do they have plenty to eat, sir? <laughs> Unlike us, they do, McCoy. I see. And there'd be hills and, and jungles, too, sir? Oh, yes. And where a man might never be found if the needy people would be, uh, let's see, take a liking to him? Uh, well, they're very friendly people, McCoy. A man who jumps ship might be able to elude capture. Oh, I didn't say they about jumping ship, sir. But it isn't a good idea to murder the captain of one of his majesty's ships. Sir? I was just thinking aloud, McCoy. Sir, McCoy didn't mean that he was just thinking. I McCoy. don't know what you're talking about, Smith. Yeah, you may hungry. Oh, thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Mm-hmm. Much, but, sir, you have never starved. Uh, haven't I? Well, just be careful, men. Well, sir, it's seven bills. Strike it. Aye, aye, sir. And remember, you'd never... You'd never see England again. Scotland, sir. Kirk and Tillich. Hard by Glasgow. I'm from Cumberland, myself. I wonder if ever I'll see Maryland here again. Then through the warm tropic seas again, night after in the starry night, with a southern cross over the port quarter. And day after blazing day on the northeasterly coast for the Society Islands and the Isle of Tahiti. Short rations and a hint of scurvy amongst us. And the wicked hiss of the cat and nine tails of the gangway. The sobbing cries of a British seaman flogged. They're asking you to be said like a man, not as a king. And one day a cloud on the far horizon, and we knew our long voyage was nearly over. Haiti at last, with the peak of Orohina towering high in the distance, a lush greenness wherever the eye passed. And we dropped anchor, the Matabai Harbor, Haiti Nui, after a voyage of more than 27,000 miles in almost two years. And we've been told it was a fair island. And the women were beautiful. Let me pass over the labors we performed at Tahiti, bringing aboard the breadfruit trees we cut out for to fetch them to the West Indies. 
Let me pass over the indignities we suffered at the captain's hands and at the hands of his one loyal aide, the Clark Samuel. The downright thievery of the two of them, taking from us the, the gifts of food we received from our friends on the island, the appropriation of the, the pearls and the carved woods they free-handedly gave us. And McCoy did jump ship and was caught. He got three dozen lashes for it. And I, I had met Parahaiti. And at last the night came, I must say farewell. But, but Smith, you are to stay. Well, I'll come back one day, Parahaiti. There's nothing to do now but go. No. If I stay, I'll be found as McCoy was found. He'll flog me and take me away anyway. No. I will come back, Parahaiti. I'll come back. Do you love me, Smith? I love you, Parahaiti, more than I thought I could love mortal woman. Yes. I dare not. She promised you would stay. Who promised? Oh, darling, Parahaiti. What have you done to your children? Darling, Parahaiti, you have lied to us and deceived us. You have denied us, darling, Parahaiti. Oh, great darling, we hold you to your promise. Give us our men, the men from the army. Then there was a great clap of thunder. Then there was a serious shout of denial. I heard the sound of a distant voice speaking in a strange language. And again the voice of Parahiti as she turned to me in the starlit darkness and spoke again. Go. Go, my husband. And come back to me. Bayumi Parahiti has promised. And belonging to shouts of the men calling to me to hurry lest I miss the last boat to the homeward bomb ship. There were a few aboard who thought that now we'd set our course for England, the captain would be in a merrier mood. He was not. Kept the charts locked up, he alone could navigate us to England half a world away. We thought our life was a hell on the outward voyage. I say to you, that was a pleasant, lightsome, gay excursion compared to what we suffered when we headed away from Tahiti. I am not describe it lest I turn your stomach. And Lahini Tahiti laughed again from the heights of Orohina. And in the early morning twilight, she spoke to her daughters again. Be at peace, my little ones. I have tested your faith, and you have believed. And now the fulfillment for the men of the white-winged canoes arise now, and they turn their weapons against the one who would take them away from you. And on the ship, I awoke to the sound of voices shouting, and I ran on deck. The captain stood beside the mainmast, and his hands were tied. He was at last a frightened man. And before him stood the master's mate, and behind him the men of the crew armed and murderous. I heard the captain's voice again. This is Christian. What is the meaning of this folly? This is mutiny, Captain Bly. I am in command of the volunteers. I heard Captain Bly plead for his life. Mr. Clifton, let us compose our difficulties. Do not murder me, Mr. Clifton. And I heard Fletcher Christian answer him sternly. Captain Bly, you've forfeited your life a thousand times the ship's launch hoisted over the side. I saw Captain Bly board it with certain men who had neither the honor nor the hardihood to follow the leadership of Fletcher Christian. And what became of Captain Bly and the others who departed with him, I know not. 
for we never saw him again. We cannot remain here, men. For Bly, if he does read Finden, will set all his majesty's navy about our ears. If it takes until the end of time, they'll never give us up to revolt when from a yard down in a British port. Prophecy was nearly fulfilled to us, as I have told you. So that we know not who is the one of the women to live forever as Vahini Taihiti promised. And as she spoke and fell silent, I saw a change come over this woman, this Parahaiti, my wife. I saw her transfigured, terrible on the edge of the cliff, high above the burned wreckage of the body. I heard her speak again, and in a new voice. Next week, a quiet free story, so as long as I live. And so until next week at the same time, I am quietly yours, 
Ernest Chappell. This program was heard in Canada through the facilities of the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System.